Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. I'll take the lead in the party's political responsibilities and efforts to restore public trust. We have got that story plus the battle of the censors. But first, COP in trouble. Searching for teeth as climate campaigners freaking out. Grabbing this from cfact.org. Climate campaigners from Al Gore to John Kerry down to the oddest imported student radical are freaking out over the draft final text as the climate talks in Dubai neared their conclusion. At issue is whether the outcome will call for the phase-out of fossil fuels or merely call for fossil fuel reduction and similar weasel words. Either term will leave nations with tons of wiggle room to avoid or delay destroying their economies through energy starvation. As veterans of the UN climate process since the whole shebang began, CFACT has seen this drama play out before. The UN conference nears its end with no agreement in sight and goes into late-night extra innings. No matter what happens, the conference officials emerge bleary-eyed and proclaim a major victory, leaving it to the rest of us to sort out what happened and figure it out. Often, as is likely this time, the COP28... Climate campaigners freaking out, conference ends in de facto collapse. COP28 is now on the verge of complete failure, Al Gore said on Monday. This obsequious draft reads as if OPEC dictated it word for word. It is even worse than many had feared. It is of the petrostates by the petrostates, Gore concluded. OPEC, along with Russia and China, did in fact write the text. The fact that the UN chose a petrostate, the United Arab Emirates, to host COP28 was an ominous sign to begin with, wrote Michael Mann of the debunked temperature hockey stick infamy. The UAE's appointment of a fossil fuel executive, Sultan Al-Jabbar, to preside as COP28 president made matters worse. CNN reports that the secretary general of the oil producing group OPEC, Haitham Al-Gayas, called on members and allies last week to proactively reject any language that targeted fossil fuels rather than emissions. The letter, written before the latest draft was posted, noted the previous option for a fossil fuels phase-out and said it would be unacceptable that politically motivated campaigns put our people's prosperity and future at risk. The announcement at COP28 that next year's climate summit will be held in Azerbaijan, another oil-producing state, has team climate up in arms. Next year is Europe's turn, but Russia vowed to veto any EU member nation as host in protest of EU support for Ukraine. Azerbaijan, former member of the Soviet bloc, but was not a member of the EU or NATO and was acceptable to Moscow. Soon we'll find out just how far climate campaigners will be able to be reshaping the COP28 outcome in the waning minutes of this summit. The actual choice will be between a text which gives Russia, China, and OPEC clear language in enabling them to keep their fossil fuels or whether they will agree to simply lie about phasing them out. Some related links. Fury as COP28 head questions the science of cutting fossil fuels. As Reuters reports, COP28 president denies he doesn't respect climate science. Double negative. You got to always, yeah, think about that. Are you trying to confuse me, Reuters? We need power to prescribe climate policy, so say some of the IPCC scientists. Five IPCC report authors say scientists should be allowed to make policy prescriptions and potentially oversee the implementation. Meanwhile, nepotism much? John Kerry's wiener kid Vanessa became the first ever special envoy for hope and climate change and health of the World Health Organization in June of this year. She and her pops, skull and bonesman John Forbes Kerry, the special climate envoy of the Brandon administration, making the rounds on the mainstream media RE COP28 in Dubai. 
But at least, hey, Pope Francis canceled his COP28 visit over an illness. James, this thing just ended yesterday, the 12th, to me, as we're taping this. Or did it go longer? No, yeah. Uh, update, no. It was supposed to end on the 12th. It went into overtime on the okay. 13th in order to wrap things up and get the uh, the final draft text decided upon and, vo- and agreed upon. And guess what? Yeah, spoiler, yes, they came out with the... The Dubai Consensus, or whatever they're calling it. And I spent like 20 minutes on the COP28 website trying to find the actual text of whatever it is they came up with. And it was just pulling my hair out, metaphorically. Um, but I had to go to the unfccc.int website in order to find it under the, of course, where would you go to look for it? On the page that's called Outcome of the First Global Stock Take Draft Decision hyphen slash CMA.5 Proposal by the President, aka FCCC slash PA slash CMA slash 2023 slash L.17. Of course, who wouldn't find it there? So anyway, don't say I don't work hard for you guys. I finally did dig it up, so I'll link it in the show notes. And long story short, yeah, blah, blah, blah. We recognize, we we believe, we we are concerned about da, da, da. Um, t- Article 28 seems to be where the the juicy language is. Further recognizes the need for deep, rapid, and sustained reductions in greenhouse gas emissions, blah, 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 tripling renewable energy, yada, yada, accelerating efforts towards the phase-down of unabatable coal power, etc., etc., accelerating efforts globally toward net-zero emission energy systems, and I think paragraph D might have been the tricky part, transitioning away from fossil fuels in energy systems in a just orderly and equitable manner, accelerating action in this critical decade so as to achieve net zero by 2050 in keeping with the science. Yeah, wonderful. So how do you interpret that? Well, it depends who you turn to. You turn to Reuters, nation strike deal at COP28 to transition away from fossil fuels. Representatives from nearly 200 countries agreed at the COP28 climate summit on Wednesday to begin reducing global consumption of fossil fuels to avert the worst of climate change, signaling the eventual end of the oil age. Wow, momentous. The Guardian is a little bit more reserved. Good cop, bad cop. What the COP28 agreement says and what it means, in which they talk about, oh yeah, there's some reducing fossil fuel use language, but yeah, they don't talk about a phase-out. They talk about transitioning and other uh, loophole language. And then Forbes seems to have the most reasonable take, level-headed, your quick guide to the outcomes of COP28, where they talk, they put the emphasis on the right syllable here, I think, with regards to it's mostly about the the money and um, they're setting up a new funding mechanism of some sort for giving basically buying off the the poorer nations in uh, all of this and and guess what of course this new geographically diverse board that will be managing all of this money will be managed initially by the world bank surprise surprise um, they have a climate finance target of a hundred billion dollars that they may be on on track to maybe meet that goal but Whatever next year is apparently where they're going to hammer out the details, blah, 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 adaptation, yada, yada, before they get to the transitioning language. So anyway, make of that what you will. But I think the real point of this is exactly as was being pointed out there. Oh, no. Oh, the countries aren't doing enough and they're not following the science enough. What we need is we need to start having actual teeth in these agreements and we need it 
stewarded over by these IPCC scientists, the Michael Manns of the world, and other truth-tellers floating on the clouds who can tell you the science and tell you exactly what you need to do to restructure human civilization in order to avert this 1.5 degrees. Trust us, we know the science. The same science of masking and lockdown and injections and all of that, right? Who could possibly doubt those people? And who wouldn't love with open arms to give these people more power and control over your life? But actually, that John Kerry... And his daughter's story is extremely telling because that goes right back to what we were saying at the beginning of this cop nonsense when we were talking about how this is now an industry with tens of thousands of people whose jobs now depend on this climate industry that is being shaped here with these hundreds of billions, ultimately trillions of dollars that will be slashing, sloshing around in this new green economy nonsense and funding the likes of, you know, John Kerry's offspring. Lovely, wonderful. Um, what a what a wonderful virtuous circle that's being formed. So anyway, our audience knows this is all nonsense and bunkum, but this is the rubber meeting the road of actual functioning global government. This is where it happens. The UN and all of their bodies and all of the conference of the parties and all of these things. This is the functioning mechanism of global government. And the last linchpin of it is global taxation. And you have uh, uh, the the IMF head recently coming out saying we need some sort of global carbon tax or market or what have you. So they're working on it. They are working on it steadily year by year by year by year. And it might take another 28 years. Who knows? But at some point, this will be the mechanism for the launching of the real global government with teeth. And their media mouthpieces, regardless of the actual outcome, will write headlines just like you're saying, giant success, this is going to happen. It's like they make trick people into believing that AI works. Or, or don't forget the science of GMOs feeding the world I- any minute now. Man, you remember when the kids raged against the World Bank and IMF machine back in the day? Ah, good times. Battle of the censors for our next story here on New World Next Week, episode 538. No matter who wins, we lose. But a little bit of good news from Consortium News and CovertActionMagazine.com. Again, as we've been saying for 14 plus years, everything that we discuss and mention is always sourced and cited down in the show notes. Consortium News sues media watchdog organization run by spooks. In early November, the leadership and board of Consortium News, independent news site, filed a major lawsuit against the federal government and NewsGuard Technologies Incorporated. NewsGuard, at first glance, looks like a media watchdog organization, seeks to keep misinformation and disinformation out of the mainstream. That notion quickly dispelled, however, as soon as someone takes a look under the hood. NewsGuard issues what it calls trust ratings for news. I know, I'm sitting here doing a show with one of the guys on the proper not list. Huh. NewsGuard issues what it calls trust ratings for news. The company brags on its website that these ratings are produced by humans, not AI. It offers something called misinformation fingerprints to tell you when you are consuming what the company has determined to be misinformation. They market this as journalistic solution to online misinformation, and they claim partnerships with the departments of state and defense, Microsoft, Apple, of which I would argue there's very little difference, other tech giants, although the nature of these 
these partnerships, of course, isn't clear. What we do know, however, is that the Pentagram last year gave NewsGuard three quarters of a million dollars for access to its disinformation fingerprints project, which it described in the contract as a catalog of known hoaxes, lies, and disinformation stories spreading online. I'm sure like, you know, Tuskegee Syphilis and Project Paperclip, those kind of conspiracies. So who are these brilliant and unbiased human beings who get to decide if what we read is real news or disinformation? It's pretty much the usual suspects that you would that you would guess. Who are the worst pe- people possible? Michael Hayden, retired four-star general director of the NSA on 9-11. He was the guy who immediately implemented or openly announced the massive program of warrantless wiretapping of American citizens, all in the name of national security. Michael Hayden later became the director of the CIA, where he saw their overseeing their torture, their unethical kidnapping, secret prison programs, all that good stuff. More recently, Michael Hayden was a signatory on an open letter full itself of disinformation and outright lies that said the Hunter Biden laptop was a Russian intelligence operation that was laughable even before the artist known as Hunter Biden stated publicly, yeah, that's mine. Another of NewsGuard's advisors is former Secretary of Homeland Security Tom Ridge. It was Ridge who implemented the notorious Patriot Act in 2001, which was already written and waiting on the shelf. And the Homeland Security Act of 2002, which severely restricted American civil liberties, those restrictions last to this day, as we again have been talking about for 14 years. The emergency never ends. Another of NewsGuard's eminent advisors is Anders Rasmussen, the former Prime Minister of Denmark and former Secretary General of NATO. It was Rasmussen who sent Danish troops into Iraq to look for WMD that never existed. And as the leader of NATO, it was Anders Rasmussen who oversaw NATO's wars in Afghanistan and Libya. Man, that's sure. James, that seems like a lot of evil Republican neocons doing the exact work of those evil Marxist Democrats. Fly, two-winged fascist bird, fly. Meanwhile... Media Matters, you know, another one's really, really looking out for you. I love all the work that places like the ACLU did to protect me during the scandemic. Media Matters suing the Texas Attorney General over investigation into its demonetization pressure. So if you try and expose how they are illegally colluding to censor your speech, they'll sue you? Media Matters pressure on X, Twitter, advertisers created complications for Musk's platform, proving influential in causing a massive advertiser exodus involving high-profile companies like Disney. Go F yourselves, I believe was the recent quote. In related censorship news, these are pretty galling, James. House passes non-binding GOP-written resolution that states anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, but they're going to drain the swamp. And the Amazon, Whole Foods, Twitch, Washington Post op-ed calls to eliminate the First Amendment to fight anti-Semitism. I don't know if you've caught what's going on in the universities now, James. They're all falling over and resigning because they won't come out and say, anti-Semitism is bad, you should control all speech. It's pretty, pretty interesting. That's what's going on in the garbage university system here in the States. Whole other story that would be a whole other segment on this episode. Coke and Pepsi. Yeah, that two-party illusion. They seem to always agree on one, well, maybe two things. Israel and censoring. <laughs> yeah, censorship lawsuits for some tiny Israeli flags for others. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, yeah. Isn't that uh, isn't that the truth? Well, and, and, you know, 
as 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 voluminous as that summarization was, it still doesn't even get all of the lawsuits and things that are flying around right now. I noticed that uh, uh, Zero Hedge just had a uh, an article up, ready to rumble lawsuits against censorship industrial complex heat up after Musk kicks open the floodgates, talking about even more lawsuits that we haven't even touched on here. Um, the August lawsuit that um, X launched against the Center for Countering Digital Hate, um, Rumble is apparently suing a couple of liberal activists for uh, um, working with Media Matters to lie about their source of ad revenues, etc., etc. So there's a lot of these censorship lawsuits going around right now. And here's my hot take. I think there is a fundamental difference, a complete, bright, clear dividing line between these suing Media Matters or suing the Center for Countering Digital Hate or suing organizations like that for, hey, they, they lied, they, they said things, that they presented us in ways that weren't true, they, they hurt our ad revenue, and, say, uh, uh, the Consortium News suing the U.S. government. I think there's a big dividing line there. One is defamation sort of stuff. Uh, as in, I am legally entitled to my public reputation, and how dare you say bad things about me? And the other is, the U.S. government is using the monopoly force and violence of the state to to actively collude with these liars in order to uh, put me out of business or, uh, you know, ruin my livelihood, etc., etc. There is a difference there, because of course, yes, anything that the government does to encroach in this area, to collaborate, to work with, to sponsor, to... Uh, in any way forward, the work of these liars is completely and totally, it should be illegal and utterly unconstitutional. Sue them till the cows come home. But on the other side of that line, suing Media Matters, uh, you said bad things about me. Once again, it's one of those things where, yes, it's great when our guys are doing it, but could this ever be used against us? No, of course not. Well, anyone who needs uh, a, a sort of to learn about the the legal principles involved here. Luckily in the US, it's still very hard to sue people for defamation and libel and that sort of thing. The the first amendment is still relatively strong in the US compared to most other countries. Being Canadian, I know about most other countries and how utterly horrible it is. So if you want more information about that, you can go back to a 2014 report I had on guilty until proven innocent, the tort of defamation, where I talked to people like Denis Roncourt and others who have uh, found themselves on the wrong side of this legal principle. And uh, we can go back to, say, the aforementioned Michael Mann um, suing Tim Ball. Remember when he sued Tim Ball? Because Tim Ball had the temerity to write in some article once, uh, Michael Mann shouldn't be at Penn State, he should be in the state pen. Ha 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 ha. No, he got sued and taken through the court system for years, spending thousands and thousands of dollars on legal fees to f- eventually win the case. Michael Mann ordered to pay f- legal fees and never did. So all of that craziness, people will know if they saw my Remembering Tim Ball episode. But anyway, yeah, there is a difference. And I, so I'm not on board with suing people. Hey, Media Matters is a joke. They are liars. They are absolutely despicable. What they're trying to do with the, the deplatforming and all of that. But their reputation should be their, their, their burden to bear. It's not that this should go through the courts, and the courts will adjudicate whether or not you're lying or not. Oh, you know, James Corbett called Bill Gates a eugenicist, so we're going to sentence you to a million-dollar fine, or whatever the case may be. No, 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 no. The legal principle here is, is really different. So I have a different take on this. I don't think that the censorship lawsuits are the way to go. I think the way to go is for us to not give a flying... 
crap about what Media Matters and Center for Countering Digital Hate and NewsGuard and others say about other people. The only thing that matters is when the government is working with institutions like this to institutionalize those ratings. And to knock you off of PayPal or Patreon or ways that you were making a living. Let's go to some of those aforementioned other countries for our third and final story on this New World Next Week, episode 538. Japan Prime Minister Kishida resigns as ruling party faction head amid funds scandal. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida said he decided to step down as chief of his faction in the ruling Liberal Democratic Party with its political fund scandal taking a further toll on its already flagging government. The LDP has recently faced criticism amid allegations that five factions, including Kishida's, underreported their revenue from political fundraising parties from which the extra income may have been returned to some lawmakers as kickbacks. While Kishida's predecessors typically resigned as leaders of their factions during their terms as prime minister to avoid the appearance of patronage-driven politics, he has retained the position since assuming office now for over two years, October 2021. Kishida, who heads the fourth largest faction within the Liberal Democratic Party, told reporters, quote, I will take the lead in the party's political responsibilities and efforts to restore public trust. As the cabinet's approval ratings have fallen to their lowest level since Kishida became PM, he was also forced to deny links to the controversial Unification Church after a Japanese daily reported he had met with senior figures of the organization in 2019. The Asahi Shimbun reported the former U.S. House of Representatives Speaker Newt Gingrich, more neocons, acknowledged the presence of individuals related to the Unification Church at their meeting with Kishida. Later in the day, Kishida once again dismissed speculation about his ties with the religious group, which has faced questions over its aggressive fundraising tactics and cozy ties with ruling party lawmakers. He said that even if such people participated in the gathering, his viewpoint remains unchanged. He was not aware of who Gingrich's companions were. It's just part of his posse, I guess. Photo shows Japan Prime Minister Kishida met leaders of controversial religious groups. It's James, it's not an exaggeration to say former Prime Minister of Japan Shinzo Abe was assassinated because of his links to the Moonies, the, according to the assassin himself. And it gets better. Japan asks court to dissolve Mooney's church over Shinzo Abe killing. That is the BBC's headline. I didn't editorialize or change that. The Japanese government has asked a court to order the dissolution of a church that was investigated after the assassination of former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Abe's shock killing in July 2022 put the spotlight on the Unification Church, more popularly known derisively as the Moonies. His assailant, Tetsuwa Yamagami, said the church bankrupted his mother and blamed Abe for promoting it. The church said it's been unfairly vilified over Abe's assassination. The investigation, which was ordered by Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, ran for a year. If dissolved, the Unification Church will lose its tax benefits, but it will still be able to operate as an organization. Our last investigation into this was back in August of last year. New World Next Week flashback. Unification Church ties cited in 40% of senior administrative positions in Japan. And probably like I talked about then, James, maybe because I was brought up in the 80s Southern Baptist Church, I find the stories about the cozy relationships between the church and the state to be fascinating. It seems like this would be big in Japan kind of news. Government in bed with cult. But when I messaged you earlier this week about Shohei Otani's big giant deal with the Dodgers, James, you were like, yep, that's pretty giant news here. 
but I broke the news to you, I believe, about Kishida resigning as his faction head. Is this kind of buried in Japanese mainstream media? I guess that's predicated on the idea of me actually following Japanese mainstream media, so I don't really know. But like everyone, I just suffer the uh, the effects of secondhand MSM just living in the country, um, which is much worse for you than secondhand smoking, I can tell you. Um, but having said that, I haven't heard anyone talking about it or making a big deal about it. I think this is Japanese business as usual, aka politics as usual, as in... Um, people might not remember, um, but the way Japanese politics has functioned up until the 21st century, at any rate, is the revolving door prime minister. Every every few months, there's some big scandal, and you just get a new prime minister, and who cares? What Who's the prime minister this week? Who cares? Um, that kind of changed with uh, Junichiro Koizumi and then Abe both having relatively lengthy terms, and so Kishida's been in for a, a few years now. That's... I mean, that's a long tenure for a Japanese politician. Anyway, he's not resigning as PM. He's resigning as a faction chief. What's that? Well, that's more part of the weird Japanese politics slash business as usual, where in Canada and Germany and other countries, you have multiple wings of the bird of prey. You have the liberals and conservatives and the NDP and the Greens and whoever else. In America, you have the two-wing bird of prey, the Republicans and the Democrats. In Japan, you have a one-wing bird of prey. It's the LDP. They are basically the ruling party and have been for almost the entirety of the post-war era. And so instead of, you know, the left-wing, right-wing kind of nonsense that you get in America, no, it's one wing. How do you do that? Well, you have different feathers on the wing. So you have different factions within this party. And it's, you know, the Game of Thrones is which faction will lead the LDP, which will then inevitably become the ruling party. So that's that's the level at which Japanese politics is taking place, which is so uh, splitting the, the width of a hair that no one cares. Uh, uh, people who are interested, really interested in politics, I suppose, might care, but the average person doesn't even bother to follow it. And, that, and, and Japanese people generally do not talk politics around the water cooler. So anyway... Whatever. It's all political nonsense. Um, the the idea that kickbacks, etc., and oh, Kishida's going to clean up the cabinet and all of this, well, we've heard that a million times in a million different political contexts in Japan, let alone everywhere else in the world. So believe it when we see it. Um, but yeah, I don't think this is rocking the Japanese political world um, at this point. Sorry, I get excited about religio-political assassinations <laughs> well, in the streets. You know what? I, having said that, I will say that it is fascinating to me that a year and a half after Abe's assassination, I, I think the general summary and the general feeling here is, you know, that, that assassin kind of had a point. <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of where we arrived at that. Like, yeah, you know, he, yeah. <laughs> there's a weird, weird fallout from a political assassination, but there you go. <laughs> now, if only we can export that feeling all around the world. Ah, now watch out. Now we're both going to get sued. This is, this is why I often say on the morning show, media monarchies for entertainment purposes only. This is not legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. But that is New World Next Week, episode 538. If you didn't know, why don't you know? NewWorldNextWeek.com has Corbett DVDs, Corbett USBs, and not the USBs we thought we were going to have. An express shipping company with a federal name lost the new batch of 2010 USBs that we need to send out as part of the USB bundles, but should be here next week. We also have Made in America organic shirts, hats, and hoodies. We have my music show compilations. And now you have your open source education. Tell us about that. 
Yes, digital downloads of all of the subjects in the open source education curriculum. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go see my recent Solutions Watch where I describe it in great detail or just go to opensourceeducation.online. Like everything else, it's got the links to all of the material. You can watch it, view it, download it completely 100% for free. But if you want to support the work and get the digital download all in one handy package, you can do so via the store. But I guess we have some updates regarding the discount code that we were giving out last week. <laughs> and I might not have those updates to give you right at this Well, okay, moment. so let me fill it in, because <laughs> we gave out a discount code for people to get 25% off, but it turns out the way the store is set up... Again, guys, this is our first store. We're not pros at all of this. But uh, the way the store is set up, that 25% discount is just going to be automatic. You don't need to enter any code. So when you put something in your cart and you go to check it out, you automatically get that 25% off. So no... no faffing around with the code, unless you're a Corbett Report member, in which case you can use the code that is in this week's subscriber newsletter, the Gelman Amnesia Effect, uh, that's on the front page of CorbettReport.com. You click into there, you sign into the website as a Corbett Report member, scroll down to the bottom, there is the code. It's a subscriber discount code that you enter in when you're checking out, and you, as a Corbett Report member, will get 50% off Corbett Report Media. Uh, not the ho her shirts and hoodies and what have you, but anyway, um, that's a lot of info. I hope people can follow it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's even even when you said it's on the new article, the Gelman really complicated thing. <laughs> <laughs> so the discount actually works in a similar way with my pump up the volume music compilations. I have five different genres: rock, electronic, country, eclectic, and pop. If you put all five in the cart at the same time, you'll get 25% off. I had someone purchase them just a couple of days ago. They're like, oh my God, this is what I need. For people that are kind of off-grid who maybe aren't online all the time, if you download five gigs of my music shows, they will get you easily through the winter and a whole lot more. And I always like to remind folks, I do play the exclusive audio of this very New World Next Week episode after my gnarly Thursday morning show, where I stream fear-free, ad-free news, music, memes, and more, and would love the support at MediaMonarchy.com slash join James. That indeed is 538. Next week is the big year-end finale, New World Next Year, next week, where we each pick our story of the year and our trend prediction of the coming year, and it is the only episode where we don't know what the other is going to talk about. Have you got your trend idea yet? I think so. I'm 99% locked in. How about you? Okay. Nope. I've got my this year. I am not so sure on my next year. I've also got to get my best of 2023 music show all dialed in. That's coming up on... Saturday the 23rd. I, I do. I'm already sweating a little bit about how much work this next week, my final week of broadcast is, is going to be, James. But it'll be, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, get your eggnog ready. And uh, everyone out there, get your, get your guesses in. Start your uh, prediction pool for New World next year. <laughs> and we'll be back uh, next week to, to wrap up the year. James, thank you again for all these stories and for the work that you do. As always, my friend, thank you. Take care.